0: Is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show The Walking Dead. Hello, Internet. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 554, recorded on Monday, October the 11th, 2021. Welcome, everyone, to the show. So, Jason, the last time we recorded, it was Mm -hmm. just as we were going into the Canadian Thanksgiving long weekend. Yes, sir. And here we are now, recording just at the tail end of the Canadian Thanksgiving long weekend. So I think it's only fair for us to uh, give a short update on how the weekend went. So uh, why don't you tell us, how was your Canadian Thanksgiving weekend?
1: Low-key and excellent. I spent uh, most of, well, not most of Saturday. It's not, you know, cooking a whole turkey dinner is not that hard, really. I'm just going to say that. Because I buy a cook from frozen turkey. Yeah. You buy a cook from frozen turkey, you throw it in the fucking oven, and you leave it there for a million years because it takes about 10 (laughs) hours to cook the damn thing. So I got up at six put it on by 6.30, went back to bed, and then uh, we ate around 5. So that's perfect, which had given me lots of time to cook the yams and the mashed potatoes and all the other good stuff. So, yeah, it was was good. It was low-key. Jasper didn't eat shit. He doesn't (laughs) like turkey, doesn't like dressing, doesn't like mashed potatoes, doesn't like, he
0: basically ate bread for dinner. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm glad you had a nice time. That seems like a long time to be cooking the turkey. Would you make like a 30-pounder or something? It was uh, 7.9 kilograms, so
1: eight, 8 kilograms-ish. And for some reason, my oven always takes forever to— uh, I don't know what that is in pounds. You're going to have to convert for me. But my oven always takes forever to cook anything. Uh, I don't know why that is, but it always takes about 20% longer to cook than uh, than— any of the recipes call for. So it called for uh seven and a half hours. Yeah. And I cooked it for about eight and
0: a half. Okay. So eight kilogram turkey is like seventeen and a half pounds. You cooked a 17 and a half pound bird for two people basically? Yeah. We, leftovers, my friend. Yeah. Okay. We made a uh 12, maybe 13 pound turkey for seven people and had plenty of leftovers.
1: Oh yeah, no, I'm no the the plan is to make uh turkey dinners and freeze them. For like you the just next... put all, all the fixing, you just take the turkey dinner, we're going to put everything together in the little pans and we're just going to throw them in the freezer and just uh heat them up for an hour whenever you feel like having fucking Thanksgiving point 2.
0: It sounds like you're going to have 0. turkey dinners for the next 18 years. <laughs> it won't last. I swear to god it won't last. Jesus man, we put our turkey in at uh 2:30 in the afternoon, 8 around 7, and it was great. And was it was it, fro- it wasn't frozen then, right? It I was, was frozen. Oven. It was a frozen How the hell turkey. How did you do that? I don't know. I it, the oven just cooks it. I mean right. Yeah, it had to have been frozen. It was definitely frozen. Anyways, uh How was your Thanksgiving? Really really great. We um made a turkey. We were up north at a cottage with another family. And had had uh, the had the Thanksgiving weekend together. The weather was not amazing, but we made the best of it, and we had a great dinner, all the all the stuff that you mentioned, and really had a nice time. So here we are at the end, you know, late on Monday. Everything goes back to normal, school and work tomorrow. And I'm not super looking forward to it. I'd rather just have another long weekend right back to back. Wouldn't that be nice? Sure, why not? Yeah, that would be something.
1: Was it stuffed? No. Like, did it come with this? It was not stuffed. No. So it,
0: it was a hollow. It it was. We make the stuffing separately. I like okay. it better so that way. No,
1: yeah. This was a butterball stuffed turkey cooked from frozen. Yeah. So uh, maybe that's, the, and it was bigger, right? You said it was yours was only like a seven pound turkey or whatever No, it was. 12, 12. 12 or something. whatever. Yeah. So another, right, we had five pounds on you, so yeah. it took longer. <laughs> and uh, because of the stuffed nature
0: that takes a lot longer for the heat to get to the core. Sure. I guess so. I still think that's a turkey too big for two and a half people. <laughs> or two point one well, people. Two
1: people, because Jasper won't eat any of it. He's had uh, maybe a couple of ounces of turkey, and that's about it. Sure.
0: So, At least he tried uh, it. He tried it. That was good. Good for him. He had to dip it in ketchup, though. Jesus. Oh, good lord. Let's. Let, I'm gonna <laughs> edit that out. That just make that makes upsets me. Anyways, I'm glad <laughs> your Thanksgiving was great. Ours was good too. Uh, I hope everyone out there had a great Thanksgiving. And now it's back to real life. Here we go again. Yep. Speaking of real life, we, of course, are here to talk about the mid-season finale of uh, The Walking Dead Season 11. It's episode number eight, and I'm going to let a couple of listeners tell you what it was called. So, let's get going. All right, love. I'm just off out. I'm just going to pop and get some blood. I'm just going for blood. Can you get some milk? No, I really need some blood.
1: For blood. Blah, blah. Blah blah.
0: Thank you very much, Daniel in Worcester, England, and Val in Frenchtown, New Jersey, where she says that there's no nothing actually French there. That's okay. Yeah, of course it's alright. And and can I just say Daniel's title read there, it just gave me a Monty Python vibe a little bit when he did the uh the female voice. I couldn't help but think of um Uh, Terry Jones, the guy who always played Uh the women in, in Monty Python. So thank you, Daniel, for that. It was nice. I used to be a huge Monty Python fan. Still are probably. I still, still am, I guess. I just haven't, you know, I haven't put on any of that in a long time, but, uh, it comes from my wife mostly. She was a massive fan of it and I, I learned to like it once, uh, we got together and she made me watch all the movies and Flying Circus and that kind of stuff.
1: Good man. I my gateway into uh, Monty Python was Terry Gilliam. Uh, I watched, right. uh, you know, Time Bandits and Brazil, and was like, "Hey, Terry Gilliam's pretty fucking awesome." Yep. Uh, I should check out that Monty Python thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I didn't see any of his stuff until later, until after I had experienced Monty Python. Uh, Brazil, I saw. You know, it's been a while now, but far, you know, far later after I saw the Monty Python first, so. Yeah, good stuff. I met Terry Jones. My wife and I met Terry Jones once too nice. and she got a picture with him and it uh it was in it was predated digital cameras in everybody's pocket, so it was taken with an actual like point and shoot film camera, if that was a Holy thing. Holy
1: shit. Celluloid
0: the yeah, whole thing. Actual film, not really point and shoot, I guess, but an actual film camera. and We had to get it developed and all that stuff. And the nice thing is it worked out beautifully. Like of all nice. the things that could go wrong, taking a photo in this darker sort of environment and stuff like that it worked out amazingly so she was really happy and of course uh now he's dead uh rest in peace
1: is that when you went to see spam a lot
0: no 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 it was long before that spam a lot was the broadway show that we went and saw in the opening week which was awesome but this was a long time ago it was uh it was at a czech premiere of holy grail uh, it had never been wow. shown over there before and we knew the guy worked at, who worked at the theater. They were premiering it. So we got an invite and Terry Jones was there to celebrate it, do a Q and A. And then we met him in the bar after the movie. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It was a great time. All righty, Let's get back to walking dead season 11, episode eight, four blood Jason. We begin with a zoom in on the wall at Meridian. The main group of reapers are gathered up top. They're watching Maggie's zombie horde kind of mill around outside the wall there. And Pope asks Daryl if he's ever seen rotters do this kind of thing. Rotters is, of course, what they call them. Daryl says, yes, he's seen this before. And he offers to lead the zombies out a couple of miles and then double back, which Pope thinks is a good idea. But instead of sending Daryl to do it, he sends one of his men, Wells, out to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. So we cut to a bit of a short time later. Wells is out there leading the way. He's going down a forest path, but suddenly some zombies come in from the direction he's going. So now he's partially surrounded. And of course, he's all arrogant. He he thinks this is uh, this is easy and stuff like that. And he just wants to get back because he's getting hungry, he says. Uh, he radios back, but he has to start fighting off these zombies. And then, of course, we know that Maggie and Negan and her people are amongst this group, so one of them knifes this guy Wells, he's injured, he gets eaten by zombies, and they grab his walkie and take off, and we go to the opening credits. Nice. So, one down. (laughs) 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 One Reaper down.
1: That's pretty good. This guy should have just turned left or right. Because they were coming in from two directions, but the left direction and the right direction off the off the road or path, whatever he was following, uh, didn't have any zombies. So if he was trying to get out of there, he he, he chose poorly. To, to
0: stay and fight rather than just turn and run. Yeah, he just turned and run. I, I mean, I guess we don't know for sure that Maggie didn't have other zombies just hanging around, blocking all directions, but it didn't seem like it. You're right. It seemed like he could have gone one way, just get the hell out of there. Because when you're, when there's that many around you, that's when they're dangerous, right? When you can't yep. possibly fight them all off. So at they that point. They had a bit of a, they had a bit of an overhead shot, which both left and right look clear to me. Oh, okay. What do I know? I'm
1: not there. But then again, uh, the people in the, in the shows, they don't see anything that the camera doesn't see. So maybe if the camera doesn't see something, then it's not there.
0: It's not there. Well, that's how we get stealth zombies sneaking up on them all the time and so yeah. on. Anyways, Wells decided to stay and fight, um, but he didn't last very long. And of course he wasn't expecting a a whisperer in the crowd, and that's what took him down.
1: Yeah, you really, uh, you know, when the, when you first encounter the whisperers and you don't know what they are, you're not expecting them. Right. It's really unexpected to get knifed by a zombie.
0: It is. You never expect the Spanish Inquisition, or you never expect the whisperers. Yeah, so we're going to have... Uh, Python references all the way through this episode, I assume. Well, I mean, if, if you want to, I'm, I, you know. All right, I, well, <laughs> just, just try and lace them in. All right, we'll, we'll see how it goes. After the opening credits, we are in Alexandria and there is a big thunder and lightning storm taking place. So, we, so uh,
1: I assume that Alexandria is on a completely separate planet than, uh, than Merid- the, the place that, uh, Daryl is at, what's it called again? Meridian? Meridian, yeah. Yeah, because, uh, that was daytime. Now it's night. They don't have a storm and Alexandria does. Well, I mean, is it simply
0: possible that these things are just happening at different times? Like
1: on, like one happens in November and the other one happens in like April sometime?
0: Uh, you know, I, we don't, we don't know for sure. Like how long have they been gone? How long has Maggie been gone from, from Alexandria? Like a few days, maybe. Or, or someone on our feedback show last week said, like, maybe a week, like, it's a week travel between these two places. So, to get there and then go through everything they went through, it's been more than a week, potentially. Okay. So, a week of walking,
1: if they spent a long time walking, that, uh, that's a good 800 kilometers, something like that. Because I think I, I, uh, no, I did the Google Maps thing, and I uh, ch- checked to see how long it would take me to walk to the Sioux, and that's about 800 kilometers away, an eight-hour drive, uh, and it's about a week, maybe ten days of walking.
0: Really? Okay. Let's even let's just say they're 500 kilometers away, uh, for fun. And so they've they're 500 kilometers away at Meridian, so that could explain the fact that there's a storm in one place and not in another, right?
1: At the time of filming, so if both of these happen at the same time, so uh, Meridian sh- shifts tonight. By the time we get back to them in the next scene, we see them in. I, I I think we'll check in a second, but it is definitely night at Alexandria. So time has shifted. Uh-huh. But if there is, because uh, there's definitely not a time difference between these two locations. No. Uh, and so uh, if Alexandria is having a storm, and it looks like a hurricane, a right? it's not just a storm. storm. It's a it's a freaking hurricane because they're nailing up. I've never ever in my whole life been in the storm where I had to nail boards to the windows, uh, in order to prevent them from breaking. And if I did, I'd use fucking plywood or they were just using boards that they found lying around. It's like, pull the cabinet doors off the cupboards. And use those.
0: Well, at one point later on, she does say, let's use the furniture. And I think Rosita says, Aaron won't mind, <laughs> which no, I thought of course was not funny. But they do mention using the furniture to do that. And you're right. It seems like a hurricane or at least a really intense storm.
1: Yeah. Okay. So th- the way that we could explain it is that the storm has hit Alexandria, but not Meridian yet. Because that happens between here and Sault Ste. Marie is that when I'm talking to my mom, if she's getting weather... We get that weather the next day because it comes this way. It always comes this way. Right. So, uh, that's, that's the kind of thing that happens. Like there's not really a big difference in weather, definitely not a big difference in climate, but, uh, weather takes a day to travel that far. Okay. So that if they're that far away, I was thinking that they were less than, uh, you know, a day's walk uh, or a day, maybe two days of walk, walking between the two locations, That's not enough to have completely different weather patterns.
0: No, not really. But I, the other thing is, and before we, we we should move on, but like, I'm, I'm also saying if you're assuming these things are happening at the same time, but what if it's only been like in Alexandria, it's only been a couple of days and it's been seven days since Maggie left. So we're not happening at the same time. So weather has come and gone in both locations You know, and we're not seeing something happening concurrently.
1: Okay, so we have a temporal disparity. We have a temporal
0: discrepancy. Discrepancy. Yes. Yeah,
1: temporal (laughs) discrepancy between the two. Okay, so that can help explain it. Right. Because I didn't understand. It's like, well, wait a minute. Uh, why is there... Like, it's it's a big storm. Like, it's a big yeah. deal. It's not yeah, yeah, just yeah. like, oh, shit, it's raining. Yeah. Uh, it's a, you know, knock down, drag out, blow the fucking door in yeah. kind of storm.
0: Yeah. It's so a big storm. It's pretty serious. Yeah. All right. Well, huge storm. Everyone is in one of the houses, uh, Aaron, Rosita, Carol, everybody else, they're boarding up the windows and doors, like you said. Judith and the kids are sitting against the wall, kind of just afraid for now. Connie is there. She's tending to Virgil. So they've returned. Uh, Magna mentions that the door of this house is rotted out and it won't hold. I don't know how you a door just rots out uh, and you don't have that repaired, but whatever, that's what's happening. All of a sudden, a branch breaks a window and the door blows open and suddenly the windmill is on fire. We see that happening (laughs) and they realize that pieces of the wall around Alexandria are are blowing down the road, which means that there's a breach in the wall. So like all of this was communicated to us all at once in this one scene, the windmill is on fire, the wall has been breached and the door that they're trying to hold closed is not going to last Yeah, that's a bad five minutes. It's a really bad five minutes, yeah. Uh, We go back over to the Reapers. Leah is trying to reach Wells on the walkie. Of course, she can't. She wants to go after him, but Pope says there's no point. He's already dead. And he says that she killed Wells, meaning Maggie. Leah questions Pope for sending him out there, calling him family and stuff like that, uh, and knowing that the enemy was amongst those walkers. But Pope says God decided his fate, um, but she counters that with, no, you did. You sent him out there, you stupid jerk. So the tensions ramped up a little bit and Pope claims that Wells may have been a brother to Leah, but he was a son to him. So you can't really claim that I didn't you know do this without knowing what the consequences might be
1: well yeah i mean like i have one for one thing yes you absolutely have to send soldiers out to do uh to, to recon the situation in the area and there was always a potential to to lose them but then again you'd never send somebody out by themselves you right. always send out a buddy Right? Just at the very least, if something's going down, uh, you have a better chance of somebody radioing back what the situation is before the shit hits the fan. Of course. So you always send a buddy. So he didn't do that, but that's fine. Uh, You have to send soldiers out to do a job. And when you do, there's always a chance that, uh, you know, there's a mortal chance that they will get killed. Mm -hmm. So... That's one thing. The other thing is, uh, you know, don't, don't just give up on the guy. It's like, why bother going out and having anybody else go take a look? He's dead. And like, these are huge assumptions that he's making. It's like, oh, he, he radioed trouble and then he's not radioing back. Um, and he assumes not only is he dead, but that she killed him, meaning Maggie. It's like, uh, I don't know if you could jump to those conclusions. Cause, uh, the easiest explanation for this is he got into a situation where he had his hand on the radio to his mouth and he had to deal with something. So he dropped the radio and then he had to take three steps away from the radio. And then his only chance was to run. So maybe he just dropped the goddamn radio.
0: Dropped it or broke it or whatever. Right. There's a lot of reasons he couldn't radio back rather than he's dead already. Or he's busy still. Yeah. Right. So, uh, cut
1: the guy a little slack. Uh, don't jump to these conclusions. I think it's rash, but, you know, we got to move the plot forward. So if we uh, don't make those assumptions, then we have to spin our wheels uh, in order to move the plot forward that, uh, you know, Pope knows he's dead and that Maggie did it. And somehow we have to explain that rather than him just fucking knowing it.
0: Well, the fact that he he thinks Maggie did it is is the part that's really unbelievable because uh, I don't think he knows that there are people amongst those walkers, right? I don't think that's a thing to him. Uh, he's just assuming that his enemy is out there and that it's no coincidence that all these zombies showed up because he does at one point say, uh, maybe a little bit later that they've figured out how to use the dead against the living. So it Mm -hmm. seems like at this point, does he know that? I'm not sure. He knows it later. But if he knows it already, then he can, I guess, make the assumption that she, Maggie and her people are amongst, are amongst those zombies, and therefore it's likely that they killed Wells while he was out there. But I hear you. Like, it's, it's a lot of assumptions all at once. And on top of that, for a guy who's so supposed to be so into family and his people and stuff like that, he did seem to give up on him pretty fast. Yeah. Right? But at the same time, we need that because we need Leah to doubt him or start to doubt him in this episode uh, or to see through his whole like divine intervention into everything and, and and stuff like that. So we need Pope to make these like bad decisions or quick assumptions, I think, to have to inform Leah a little bit on what he's really like.
1: Yeah, and he can also, the other bit of information he has is that zombies don't behave this way. They don't show up on your doorstep and then just fucking mill about in a circle for a while.
0: uh, Yeah, but except he asked Daryl about that. And Daryl said, yeah, I have seen this before, you know, and uh, so it doesn't seem like Pope knows anything about what's going on. And he's just kind of, I don't know, just kind of making decisions and assumptions based on information that other people have given him which he doesn't even trust.
1: Maybe he's acting like a lawyer. You, you know, a lawyer, when he's uh, examining someone on the witness stand, you never, ever ask a question you don't already know the answer to. Right. Yeah. that's So maybe he already knows all this shit. He knows about the whispers. He knows about Maggie. He knows about these zombies. He sent this guy out there not to lead the zombies away, but to probe, uh, you know, whether or not Maggie was out there. And if may, but, and, you know, the probe was, if he was successful and it's just a bunch of fucking zombies, the guy's fine. Uh, and uh, that'll work out just nicely. But if he dies, then I know that Maggie's out there and that she's in charge of this. So maybe he already knew all of this information and that was the test. Confirming that was uh, the fact that he, you know, he lost contact with the guy.
0: Actually, you know, I like that theory a lot. Whether he knew it or not, like he sends the guy out there to, to find out. Maybe he suspected that, right, well, he knows zombies don't act like this, so he suspects something's going on, and and he figures if I send a guy out and he survives, then it really is just zombies doing something weird. If he's killed, uh, then there's probably enemies within that crowd. The assumptions are still, you know, that he's he's dead and stuff like that, having not radioed back, but I like that. Maybe that's Pope, you know, figuring out what's really going on in the situation.
1: It kind of also explains why he couldn't send Daryl, because if Daryl's an unknown quantity, if he sends Daryl out and Daryl comes back, he still doesn't know the answer to whether or not Maggie's out there. You're absolutely right. If Daryl goes out there and doesn't come back, he still doesn't know the answer as to whether or not Maggie's out there. So he had to send his own guy. And if he sends his own guy, then he knows by the fact whether or not he comes back,
0: whether Maggie's out there. Yeah, absolutely. He can't send Daryl because he, he, he has to send a guy he absolutely trusts. Who's yes. going to go out and do what he says. All right, good. Yeah. I like this.
1: All right. Okay, so I do too. I think uh, I think we should uh, write this in the, the book of canon
0: and move on. Okay, very good. Speaking of moving on, we go back over to Alexandria, of course. Aaron and everyone in the house are deciding what to do. They know they have a broken wall. They know they have a windmill on fire. So Aaron... They decide that they're going to send out some groups to deal with these things. Aaron is taking a group to put out the fire. Magna offers to go with him and Virgil offers to go as well, but he's in no shape. So he agrees to stay at the house. How's he going to put out the fire? You think? Uh, I don't know. It's raining already. Um, pretty hard too. Pretty I think, hard. Do you, do you think they're going to, uh,
1: do you think that a couple of people throwing buckets of water on a flaming windmill will make any difference whatsoever?
0: And uh, when in a torrential downpour? I really, I really don't think so. But luckily we don't see any of them doing anything out there. They're just going out to do it.
1: All right then. Good luck yeah. to
0: them. He does say fight the fire. So maybe that means like limit what it can burn uh, somehow. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that means setting other stuff on fire. Because you said yeah. you fight fire with fire, right? That's, that's true. How, that's how it works. Okay. And you know, that's where that, that comes from.
0: And yeah, you're right. So I don't know what they're <laughs> going to do. I mean, it, it must have been hit by lightning and is now on fire. It's raining pretty hard. You'd think that would keep the fire at bay, but maybe not. Like a raging fire doesn't care about rain, right? So yeah, it also doesn't care about two guys with buckets. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't don't know what they're going to do, but they're going out there to do that. Virgil stays in the house. Carol is going to take a group to repair the wall and Connie and Kelly are going to go with her. And Rosita is going to stay and be in charge of securing the house. So those are the three teams. Uh, They break up to go... Judith offers to go with Carol, but Carol tells her to stay and keep the kids safe, so they all head out on their way. Smart. Good stuff. Back with the Reapers. Powell, one of the Reapers, reports to Pope that the Rotters are gone. Uh, They are inside. Pope questions Daryl about Maggie. Daryl reiterates that he doesn't know much about her— And Pope wants to know why he keeps him around. And Daryl says, well, you said God chose me, (laughs) which I thought was a good answer. Like, I don't know, man. You said God chose me. So then Pope tells him this story about a dog he once had. Uh, He rescued this dog. The dog was really untrusting. And sometimes Pope wasn't sure if the dog was going to lick his hand or bite it off. And Daryl says, you know, don't worry. I ain't going to lick you. Also a good answer. It seems to amuse Pope, um, but then he he says that the dog bit him, and it was one of the hardest things he ever had to do when he strangled the dog.
1: Yeah, so he's a bad guy. We know that now because he strangles dogs.
0: Right, he strangles a dog, even though the dog had just bit him. But uh, Leah speaks up now and says that Daryl's a good tracker. That's why we keep him around. Um So he must know something about Maggie. So then Daryl comes up with a couple of things. He says she's a great shot. And he suggests that maybe Maggie and her people are hiding in the trees. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So all along, you know, in the previous episodes to this, we've had some really good examples of characters lying. Uh, This is not one of them, I don't think. I think this felt to me much more like Daryl coming up with something a little bit desperately in the moment to just move the conversation along, because I feel like this is really stupid. Maybe they're hiding in the trees. We should, uh, we should look up more when we're looking for them. Yeah. Do not look around you. Always look up. Right. I don't know. So I thought this was kind of silly. It just felt like Daryl was reaching here for something.
1: Yeah. I thought it was fine. I didn't think anything of it really. It was just like, ah, you know, they're in the trees.
0: They're in the trees. Watch out for the trees. I don't know. Thought it was silly. Uh, But back out on the wall, the reapers watch the zombies approach again. Pope is impressed. Here's where he says that she turned the dead against the living. So now he's realized that uh, they're being herded somehow or they're being used as a weapon. And as soon as he says this, mines start exploding as the zombies step on them as they're approaching the walls of Meridian, they start blowing up. Daryl looks on worried, of course, that his friends are in the horde and will be blown up and we go to a commercial break.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about these mines, but they were magic mines because uh, yeah. whenever a zombie stepped on a mine, uh, the zombie exploded from the middle, like from the middle of their gut. They didn't blow up like flying, like mines that they stepped on. They yeah. blew up from like the middle of them. So uh, I guess we won't talk about them anymore,
0: but yeah, they were, they were magic mines. They definitely were magic mines. Um, The other thing that occurred to me is it didn't seem like any of the Reapers had any awareness that these mines were there except for Pope. It seemed like a surprise to everybody. And I'm like, if you've got a group of people who are living in a compound like this and it's surrounded by mines, you might want to mention that. So somebody doesn't come like riding back in and accidentally walks over one. Did that seem strange to you?
1: And you put up signs, you put up signs saying minefield warning. Right. If they're meant to keep the dead away, then uh, a sign might be helpful for humans. And it it even works as a deterrent, right? Right. Even if you are an enemy and you're walking, you know, blah, blah, blah towards, uh, you know, a walled off compound and you see a sign that says warning minefield, you're like, eh, I'm probably going to go around it. Yeah. Right. Which is the whole point of a minefield. A minefield isn't necessarily to, uh, kill or wound your enemy. I mean, that's, you know, a definite advantage, but, uh, it works better as a way of, uh, funneling, uh, an enemy force to where you want to fight them instead of, uh, because instead of forcing them through a, a minefield or getting, letting them through a minefield. Yeah. You funnel them to the point where you can fight them. And you don't have to worry about that minefield. Minefield is a peripheral kind of uh, uh, a flanking thing. Mm -hmm. You put that minefield out there and say, okay, they're not coming from that direction. So I don't have to uh, pay as much attention to that because the mines are handling that shit. Yep. I'm going to pay attention to this area right here where there is no minefield. So there's
0: no downside to putting up a sign. Exactly. It's, it's going to be a deterrent no matter what, like who's going to take the chance of walking past a sign that says minefield ahead. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. even if there's no minefield, it's, it's, it, you're going to be thinking about it. You know, you're in their head at that point and they're going to funnel to where they want, where you want them, where it gives you the advantage to fight them. So,
1: yeah. And it makes me think of, uh, Ron Swanson. I've never watched a lot of Parks and Rec, but, uh, I know that in his office, he had a, uh, a Claymore mine. I assumed it wasn't a real Claymore mine, but it has this big sign that says point towards enemy so that, you know, it explodes that way. Uh, and he has it on his desk facing the door. Of course. <laughs> so anyone who comes in. <laughs> it's a deterrent. It's a oh shit yeah. moment, right? Yeah. He also had a fucking, uh, big metal tank barrier thing. Uh, in the middle of his office as well, which I thought was hilarious.
0: Well, that is all good information. I just thought it was weird that none of the Reapers seemed to know the minefield was there, and it was a surprise to them too. Anyways, uh, we go to a commercial break, and when we come back, we are back in the house. They're boarding things up still. The kids are, are sitting there. Gracie and Judith chat about being scared, but Judith says her mom taught her to use her fear to... Run faster or fight better, you know things like that. And then Virgil has this nice little conversation with Judith. He says Michonne would be proud of her. He says he doesn't know where Michonne went, but that he sees Michonne in Judith—the way she holds her sword, the way she talks to the other kids, things like that. And he also says that you know Michonne is with her, and wherever Michonne is, Judith is with her too. I thought it was a—I thought it was a really nice little expression um between between these two characters right
1: i agree i do I it was good. i thought it was nice
0: now meanwhile gracie is practicing her sword work by a window after her conversation with judith and a zombie reaches through the broken glass through between the boards that they've put up and grabs her so judith jumps into action she grabs the sword she slices the zombie's arm off then stabs it in the head through the window Virgil jumps up and takes out another one, and they all realize that there must be another breach in the wall somewhere, because now there's zombies all over the place, like right outside the house. So even if the team has fixed that one hole, there's another one where zombies are coming in.
1: And that makes sense. I mean, it's a really strong wind, and uh, those walls are uh, perfect for uh, getting blown down by wind. Like, it's
0: perfect. Yeah. You couldn't ask for a better surface for wind to knock something down. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, that's right. It's like, why don't you build your walls out of sails? They just capture the wind and blow away.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Sure.
0: Uh, Let's say there's a hurricane bearing
1: down on us, which would never happen. But uh, I mean, we've gotten kind of the tail end of a hurricane
0: where it rains a lot sometimes, but we never
1: get a full on fucking hurricane
0: though. I mean, not really, not here in the city, but they happen in Ontario and there are people all over the place that have to deal with hurricanes. So it's a thing. Well, yeah, tornadoes, yes, but hurricanes. Oh, yeah, okay, whatever. So okay, tornadoes are bad,
1: yes, and they've touched down around, uh, they, around me and around you, and you know, scary as shit. But a hurricane, this is a hurricane situation. It's not just tornado. Okay, right. It's like everything is all fucked up because it's a goddamn hurricane. So uh, we don't get hurricanes like the brunt of them. But if there were a storm that was the force that we see. At Alexandria, and you are trying to protect your family from this storm inside your house. Where do you go?
0: You go in, in the, your house. You go in the basement, right? Okay. Let's say you don't have a basement. Where uh, do you go? Uh, aren't, don't they tell you stand in the door frames because it's the strongest bits of the house? It is. But you okay. go to the center of the house, right? Oh yeah, you don't stand by the windows, right. You don't stand by the windows because
1: you know, based on the fact that we've seen branches come through the windows and flying glass and shit, you don't lean up against the wall right below a window. Yeah. You go to the center of the house, you go, you take a protected area. So these people that are just kind of milling about this house and this, uh, and Gracie, who's like practicing, uh, next to, uh, a already broken window where the storm is raging through it. Yeah uh she's practicing her sword practicing her sword work. Uh it just strikes me as uh pretty dumb.
0: I, I agree. I it I but I think you're forgetting that there are, are zombies outside. So you know you're not just having to deal with the inclement weather. <laughs> If you, if you leave those windows unprotected or doors unprotected, you're going to have zombies in the house too. So that's why they're not hiding in the center of the house. Probably they're, they're trying to prevent the monsters outside from getting in, which isn't just the branches and the rain and the wind.
1: Okay. So don't turn your back on the windows. then. I mean, you could sit against a wall that's opposite a window and look at the window. Yeah. Okay. But Gracie makes a fatal mistake. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that idiocy has contributed to this situation.
0: Well, I, I suppose, yeah. But they're they're overall, they're just not very well prepared for this, right? The, they don't. And, and do you prepare for this kind of thing when in the zombie apocalypse? I don't know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But the fact that the door was rotting out and they weren't prepared to board windows or anything, they, they could have just had a plan in place. And it doesn't seem like they did, really. Um, so I don't know. But but I, I see your point. I'm just saying when there are zombies around, it probably is a little easier to get overwhelmed than if it's just a hurricane.
1: Yeah, but that's all more reason to stay away from the windows. I guess so,
0: yeah, because they can reach through, as we saw.
1: You just don't go too far away where you can't get to the window to defend
0: it if you need to. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, uh, that's what's happening there. We go back to the Reapers. They're watching mines explode, taking out zombies. Uh, Pope, I think, asks Leah what's on her mind, and she says she's thinking about the people they've lost. Um, And Pope thinks that she's blaming him for losing people, which I think she's starting to think that way. He quotes some scripture and says that in every war there's sacrifice. And he says that the men that have died sacrificed themselves, and that shows that they are still worthy and the reapers will prevail. Um, Meanwhile, Daryl takes a look through some binoculars and notices two walkers kind of separating off from the herd. Mm -hmm. Those two walkers end up being Maggie and Father Gabe, because we go to them now. They are sneaking around just outside the Meridian Wall. And on the wall is that Reaper that, uh, Daryl shared a smoke with in the last episode. So he comes up to him and offers him another smoke. He goes to light it, drops the matches. And when he bends down, Daryl kills him and throws his body over the wall. Ouch. Yes. Cool. And then he looks down, he whispers to Maggie and father Gabe to go a certain way. He says, go over that way. Then Daryl sneaks over to the food storage room, where we saw him in the last episode with this Reaper that he just killed, and he breaks the lock on it, leaving it unlocked. A shitty lock. Pretty shitty lock, but, you know, <laughs> it it broke easily and it needed to be open.
1: Yeah, it's like my stepfather always said, locks are meant to keep honest
0: people out. Exactly, exactly. So he breaks the lock off and now it's unlocked for them. So walkers are still blowing up as they approach Uh, Elijah gets hit with some shrapnel and is injured, although it doesn't seem that bad. And I think it's Negan, must be Negan, right? Who helps him stumble away, kind of? Potentially. Because it's hard to tell. Well, if Maggie and and Father Gabe are off somewhere else, Negan and Elijah must be together. Is there anybody else Uh, in
1: this group? Your deductive reasoning is sound.
0: Okay, very good. So that's what they're doing. Uh, Pope still watching the walkers. Leah and Daryl come back to where he is separately. She questions where Lee, where Daryl was and then says that the rotters are scattering. Pope says they need to secure the gate. And then he says to her, Shaw, ready the Huacha. Huacha. Now, uh,
1: so we'll get to the Huacha in a second, but uh, when Daryl comes back, uh, Leah asks him where he went and he went. Uh, he waved some, uh, some crossbow bolts saying, I want to be ready or yeah. something like oh, that. Oh, that's right. right, that's right. So, uh, that is a, is a very smart thing. And I just wanted to, uh, to reinforce that for our listeners. If you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, uh, ready an excuse, even if you don't use it, it's still worth the time and the effort to, yeah. uh, to have an excuse for what you were doing or what was going on, uh, you know, that's also the mark of a, a good lying. This is a lying masterclass this uh, this whole season.
0: Well, except for that one bit, but you're right. Daryl's back into it here because it's a lot better of an answer than, uh, nothing. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. went for a smoke or, uh, you know, I,
1: I wanted a bologna sandwich. I mean, it's- But you way- didn't have any bologna, so
0: I ate some hand. <laughs> it's way better than I went for a smoke because he could have just smoked there, but he needed to go get his bolts- and that makes perfect sense in the situation. The bologna sandwich, I don't know, but why not? <laughs> for for me, it would be valid. I, I do like my bologna. Yeah, I've heard that, yes. Now, ready the Huacha. Daryl questions what that is, and Leah says it's how we're going to end this. So uh, the Huacha is spelled H-W-A-C-H-A.
1: Yeah, I had to turn on subtitles. I'm like, what did he say? And then I went back and I was like, nope, didn't catch it that time either. And went back and it's like, no, third time doesn't help. I'm going to have to turn on subtitles. So I turned on the subtitles and uh, yep, Huacha, they made that up.
0: It's a word that I have, no, they didn't actually. It's a word that I have not heard before, but if you look it up, here is an excerpt from the Wikipedia page on the Huacha. The Huacha is a multiple rocket launcher and an organ gun of similar design, which were developed in 15th century Korea. The former variant fired one or 200 rocket-powered arrows, while the latter fired several dozen iron-headed arrows or bolts out of gun barrels. So it's a thing. And oh, So
1: organ, what they mean by organ is like a cranked organ, like you crank it like a, like a Gatling gun. Yeah, like you so you spin a wheel and it goes tick 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 and then shoots the shoots the arrows.
0: I guess so, yeah. So there's two different things that are called huacha, the multiple rocket launcher or an organ gun of similar design it says. So basically what we get on the roof of um uh of Meridian here and exactly what Father Gabe went to scout and turns out to be exactly what was under that green tarp that we spent so much time talking about last week.
1: I agree with everything you said, except for what Father Gabe went to scout.
0: No, we know he went to scout it because he, we saw that in his binoculars. And then when he goes back to Maggie, remember he says, it's still there. One of the listeners pointed that out and he was talking about this thing.
1: But when he, we see Father Gabe, uh, we're gonna to get to it a little bit later, but he doesn't go for the Huacha. he goes for something else, which he finds. Yes, we'll get to
0: that, but that was part of their plan. I don't think he, the plan. I don't was for think him it was the around.
1: Huacha was the plan because uh, when at the end of the episode, we'll get there as well. And I sorry to, sorry to be jumping around like this, but uh, you know they're standing around with their fingers up their ass, uh, not in the middle of a uh, in the middle of the compound when none of the enemies there. It's like, oh, they're pulling back. I wonder why why that is. So it's like, well, if you knew that fucking Huacha was there,
0: uh, why are you standing around, you moron? Okay. Well, let's continue and and get to that point and and figure out what's going on. For now, uh, Leah says that's how they're going to end this. We got walkers still blowing up all over the place. Now, Maggie and Gabe, remember their last interaction was with Daryl on the wall. He said, go this way. Now, yep. suddenly they come out from hiding under some garbage, I guess. They separate. Father Gabe is going into the building, which is what you were referring to. Maggie says to him, uh, we do this, we get the food and go home. And she goes off in a different direction. And I'm like, thanks, Maggie. You, you needed to remind us that's what's going on. Like we understand the mission, I think.
1: Yeah, well, you don't, uh, when you're doing stuff with your family, you don't give a, a random exposition dump uh, for what the plan is that
0: everybody already knows. Okay, guys, we're going to cook a turkey, then we're going to eat it. And then we're going to watch The Meaning of Life. With Did you, did you do that? No, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, if we were going to do that, I'd probably make sure everyone knows and and say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, just in case there's cameras around, right? Just, just in case, right.
1: Yeah, or, which is why when, you know, when I get a little uppity or get a little... Uh uh, feeling happy, I, uh, I tend to narrate everything I'm doing just in case there's audio devices around and uh, it's descriptive audio, right? Right. Just in case the, you know, there's some kind of visual issue with anybody that's paying attention to what I'm doing. I just kind of, uh, I just narrate everything. Okay. I'm going to take a fork full of, you know, turkey and I'm going to dip it in the cranberry sauce because, uh, God damn it. I go through a lot of cranberry sauce. It's good stuff. I love my cranberry sauce. I have to buy like super extra and, uh, anyway, so, you know, I'm going to dip the turkey in the cranberry sauce and I'm going to take a bite. And next, after that, I'm going to go for some stuffing and then some rutabaga because I love me, my rutabaga. Uh, anyway, move uh, it, on. Okay. Rutabaga. But that's what I do. You know, random exposition dumps. Sure. This, well, is, this is what, you know, if I've learned anything from TV, this is what humans do.
0: Of course, just in case. That's what they do. That's exactly what Maggie did here. We're going to get the food and we're going to go home. First though in the show we go back to the house at alexandria they're trying to keep the zombies from busting through the door but it's not really holding so rosita decides to grab a weapon and she's gonna go outside and fight them off so she busts out the door alone judith is watching from a window and we kind of get judith perspective through the window as rosita's killing walkers on the porch and then we get what i thought was a really cool shot as if the camera was kind of on the top of the door she just came out looking down a little bit of an overhead shot uh as she's taking them out i thought that was really really cool and when she's done on the porch she runs down the stairs to take out some more we see that judith and grace are watching from the window cut to rosita banging on the door to be let back in which they do they open it She's, she steps in and she's silhouetted in the doorframe with like moonlight or something from outside and she's kind of in shadow and her weapon is down at her side. Yep. So I have two thoughts here. Number one is it felt a little bit like an awkward cut from her running down the stairs to being finished and ready to come back in the house. I wanted more because I was really enjoying watching her kick so much ass out there And this weapon she was using was really, really cool, too. Um, So I felt like that was a little bit awkward. And then when she's standing at the door silhouetted like that, did it remind you of anything? Uh, Michonne. A hundred percent Michonne. This
1: absolutely was a Michonne uh, replacement for this episode. Yeah. This should have been Michonne that was doing this. Uh, But Denai Guerrero is not on the show right now, so... Uh, yeah, this was absolutely a Michonne moment that was transposed onto another character.
0: Fully agree with you. Fully agree. And even the way she was standing there, it reminded me of Michonne's like original pose when she was introduced to the show in shadow with the hood on and the the sword down by her side. Uh, so I loved everything about it, except for the fact that I, (laughs) I was left wanting more. I wanted to see more of what she did out there and took out all those zombies. Yep. Otherwise, though, she looks exhausted and soaked and she says, you know what? Let's stay away from the windows. So now she's figured (laughs) it out. (laughs) Finally. There you go. All right. So Father Gabe, he has made it into the Reaper's building. He moves, moves through some empty halls. There's nobody around. He comes to a room with a closet and he pulls off a panel off the inside wall of this closet. He finds something in there, but we don't see what it is. So this is
1: what I think that he was scouting out for. Like this was, uh, you know, the, we had two objectives uh, for this raid on, uh, on Meridian. One was to get the food, and the second one was to get what Father Gabe is getting out of that closet. <laughs> I don't think the Huacha was the plan.
0: But how could he scout, how could he know from looking at... Meridian through binoculars from the forest that let's just say it's a rifle that's in there. How did he, how could he know it's still there from outside?
1: I think he was making a joke. I think it was the, you know, uh, how was the scouting on, on Meridian? It's still there. It's a dad joke. I know, I think-
0: but that there's no way. I mean, the, they knew the rifle was there, a hundred percent, because he was sent in to to get it, and that was part of Maggie's plan. Someone has to go in, get set up with that rifle. It's like she hid the rifle there as an for emergency before the Reapers took Meridian from them. Yeah, and so sending him in to get it was part of the plan, but but kind of also just lucky that it was still there. Like, there's no way he could go and. Have any idea that it was still there just by looking from the outside?
1: No, and I don't think that uh, that's what he was referring to when he okay. said it's still there. I think he was referring to, uh, jokingly, he was referring to Meridian itself.
0: Okay, but don't you think that that the because the Huacha on the roof is something he could see from outside, she sent him to find out if that's still there and therefore to try to plan for it? Could be, except
1: for the scene we're going to get later. That kind of, in my mind, contradicts it.
0: Okay. Well, I don't know what you're talking about in that case. So let's let's continue and, and get there, um, because I am fully on. I have a theory about about why it's important to know that the watch is still there as well. So, all right. Uh, where are we? So he finds this rifle in the in the closet. Although we, as the audience at the time, don't know it. So Daryl, Leah, and Ancheta which is the name of the reaper who is on the roof, uh, with this thing are up there. Uh, they take the tarp off the big square thing. Of course, now we see what it looks like. It's this big machine with dozens of fireworks in in it and dynamite strapped to each one. So it's a big giant fireworks cannon, also known as a huacha. Yeah. Apparently this guy Chetta built it because he was a combat engineer back in, you know, the real world. So Daryl approaches Leah and says he's sorry about Wells, the guy who died at the beginning. Leah says that her people protect each other, at least they used to. And Daryl asks her if she believes if God really chose them like Pope says, but she kind of defends Pope for keeping them alive. But it also to me seems like she doesn't truly believe in Pope anymore, she says things like it's hard to watch somebody you care about, hurting other people you also care about, and that's kind of what Pope is doing now yeah. and then Pope radios to her and says it's time to do this, and that he's on his way, yeah, right, So there's definitely some obvious seeds of doubt in Leah here right now uh Daryl he pipes up and he tells her now that his people are down there walking with the dead. He says that they're here just for the food that Pope took from them and that they'll starve without it. Daryl claims that they have families and she can't let them die. He's doing this to protect his family, and she should, of all people, understand this. Um, They both kind of agree that they couldn't really trust each other, right? And he suggests that—Daryl suggests that Leah can come with him And he begs her basically to let him stop Pope from doing this. Uh So he has now revealed all to her. Um, This, of course, is more or less, I think, what Daryl wanted to tell her in the last episode when I was so upset about how that kind of played out. But when you think about it, it's I guess the... The idea is the same, but this isn't exactly how he would have told her in the last episode because they weren't in this situation where they were about to fire this thing and kill all of Daryl's friends, right? So I guess he changed things around a little bit for context.
1: Yeah. Or he elected not to tell her about his STI. (laughs) Or that. uh, And uh, in this case, it was a different topic.
0: I, I suppose, yeah. Maybe We still have that big reveal to uh, to come. To come, right. That'll, that'll happen eventually, I guess. Um, but anyways, he's now opened up to her, revealed that he truly isn't with them and that he's been lying to her all this time. But before she can truly respond, Pope arrives on the roof and he realizes that they were talking about something serious and questions them. And Leah answers and says, we were talking about family, to which Pope responds, well, there's nothing more important. Yep. This guy's all over the map. Uh, Daryl says he agrees, and Pope asks Daryl now to find that woman, meaning Maggie, and asks him to bring him to her, and then he sort of approaches Leah, and we go to a commercial break. Yep. So, lots going on here. We know that Leah and Daryl have opened up to each other. Pope doesn't know what's going on, but he still thinks he's in control.
1: Yep. So, the tension
0: is is, uh, ratcheting up here. Ratcheting up, very much so. Uh, After the break, Maggie gets to the Reaper's garage, and she finds that red pickup truck. So that was also uh, important in what what Father Gabe saw. For all we know, he could have been reporting on the pickup truck. Yep. Right? And so Maggie goes to hotwire the pickup truck, which is kind of odd because... I'll tell you why it was odd. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and I had a pretty good uh, pretty good feeling you were going to see this too, at least what I saw. She goes to hotwire it. She like cuts a red wire and then reconnects the red wire. Cuts yeah, and a black then she does wire, the same thing with a black wire. Recon- oh. it's, I'm like, come on, don't you have to cut the wires and like reconfigure them or something? It seemed so weird. Okay,
1: so I have no idea how to hotwire a car. No, me either, to o- be fair. Or hotwire any kind of vehicle. And I, I've i seen it done. It wasn't a car. It was a three-wheeler. And uh, all the wires went into the front light for some reason. Uh, you, uh, the guy I was with pulled out all the wires out of the light. And then uh, I don't know what he did. He started playing with the wires. And I didn't quite catch uh, exactly what he did. But it started the goddamn thing. Sure. Uh, and so uh, uh, he successfully... Stole it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> which my brother got caught for uh, a couple hours later. I was at home and my brother, uh, was brought home by the police saying, uh, Yeah, we caught him joyriding on a three wheeler, uh, that they said they found. It's like, No, he stole it. Oh, he stole it. Did, did you rat but, him out? I, no. Oh, okay. I wouldn't do that. I didn't rat him out. All right. I, except for, you know, right now. Oh, I think this is the first time I'm ratting him out publicly. Okay. Uh, but, you know, this was 1980 two so let's go ahead and say the statute of limitations on this bastard is uh gone long gone yeah past so anyway i've uh i've seen hot wiring done and i've seen it on tv many times i'm pretty sure this is not how you do it
0: it it just seemed so one of those things to me like it's like show her cutting a wire and then putting it back together like just i don't know do a shot where she uses different colored wires how hard is that but a truck this old, do you know how you start it without a key? You pull down the visor and the key falls into your lap, and you put it in and start it. Well, I don't know if it's not a Terminator movie. Okay, but how
1: to how to actually start a truck that this 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 old? You take a flathead screwdriver, you jam it into the keyhole, and you turn it. Okay, it'll break whatever mechanism is, mechanism is in there preventing the key from turning, and the goddamn thing will start. Well, maybe she didn't have a flathead
0: screwdriver. I don't know. She have a knife. That'll, that would have worked. Probably, probably did have a knife. Yeah. Oh, well, so. she was cutting, she was cutting the wires with the knife. She had a knife. So yeah, just do it that way. Just jam it in there and turn it. It'll work. All right. Well, I was just annoyed that they couldn't, they couldn't like use a shot where she put two different colored wires together, at least like she was doing something. Anyways, it starts up and there's a reaper co- who comes in looking for a chain that he wants to use to like chain the gate. Uh, but. When she starts up the thing, she starts to drive away. He kind of grabs into the passenger side, but falls off as she, she drives away. So no harm, no foul there. Uh, and what she does is she smashes that truck into the gate, breaking it wide open after diving out. She lets the truck drive itself in. Yep. Uh, and that allows all the walkers to enter the compound, A compound, I should say. The Reapers start fighting them off while Maggie, I guess, runs for cover. So yep. also part of the plan.
1: Well, she takes an awful long time to watch that truck hit the gate and then it break open and then the zombies start to walk in and stuff. And then she makes sure that the plan works. And then she decides to get up and haul ass. Well, you got to make she, sure you're playing. She should worked. have been hauling ass from the get-go. I like, guess it so. It was a good 10, 15 seconds between when she stopped rolling on the ground and before she got up and started running away. It's like that, you know, you don't have to watch your handiwork.
0: No, uh, you don't. No fruition, you just, you know, you get up and you go. But hey, it worked, man. She busted open that gate and now there's zombies coming into the compound. So Pope is up on the roof. He sees what's going on and he orders Anchetta, his man, to aim into the courtyard and fire. So he's firing essentially on his own people, even though the zombies are there. Now Leah questions him and Pope says that God will protect their people. Leah doesn't want to kill her own people, and Pope screams that the Lord speaks through him, and then Anchetta lights the fuse. Uh, So this is like the final straw, right? For Leah, she's like, this guy is is putting us all in danger. He's not acting rationally. He's going to kill all of us because he has no other option. So this is the moment when Daryl takes out his knives to go after Pope, but Leah does the same thing, and she stabs Pope in the neck Uh, And Daryl throws one of his knives at Anchetta um, to kill him before cutting the fuse and stopping the the thing from firing.
1: So did you think Pope was going to survive after getting stabbed in the neck? No, I didn't. Me neither. I thought he was dead. (laughs) I I thought so too, but I was skeptical because this show has made stranger decisions than this. Yeah. Let somebody die with this kind of wound. He, but that, uh, right in the neck there, unless you have a trauma team on standby, there's no chance.
0: Very little chance. Yeah. And I didn't think so. I think uh, probably because of who this character is in the context of the show, it's like, this is a bad guy. He's going to die. He kind of has to die. Um, and again, I, I didn't see any reason for, for him to live after this, right? It's kind of shown that he's be, he's a wild madman. His, he's going to kill his own people. The one person of his group that we care anything about, Leah, is the one who's here, who has just suddenly had her doubts about him. So he's going to die, so she can survive. Is kind of what I was thinking. Yep. Um, but uh, for now, he's just he's just got this knife wound in his neck, and uh, we come back to this in a minute. Instead, we go over to Maggie. She is running away somewhere now, and encounters one of these Reapers. She has to fight him. She gets knocked down, but suddenly Father Gabe snipes him from out the window and then he fires at some more Reapers. So this is where we find out that Father Gabe found this rifle and is taking people out from the second floor.
1: This was my biggest disappointment in this episode. Okay, explain. As
0: soon as she got into this fight, I'm like,
1: uh nobody have to save her 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 but then somebody had to save her i don't like it when they do that because it turns this uh uh it turns maggie who's a wonderful leader and a very strong person into a damsel in distress yeah it drives me fucking crazy when i see this in television and movies uh even in the uh, you know a perfect example was the tomb raider movie that came out recently yeah you know, within the last decade. I don't know when it came out. It was whatever, like probably seven years ago now. My biggest annoyance in that is that, uh, uh, Laura Croft or Lara Croft, uh, was supposed to be the protagonist, was supposed to be the, uh, the badass of the whole movie. And the first thing that happens to her is that she has to get saved by that guy, uh, that was on the boat. And it drove me crazy seeing that
0: kind of shit. So I, I can't remember, are you talking about the Alicia Vikander uh, Tomb Raider movie or going back farther to the original one with, um. Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Yeah. No, the more recent one. Okay, Vikander. All right. I
1: know the one. Yep. So, yeah. So this kind of, uh, I understand from a storytelling perspective, we needed to introduce the sniper rifle and this is a good way to do it, but we didn't have to make Maggie already lose the fight before. Uh, father Gabe saves her. If she was in the middle of the fight and she was about to kill him and he got shot in the head, that still works. And there was, didn't have to put Maggie in such a disadvantage, make her into a damsel in distress.
0: Uh, just, it drives me crazy. Like if she'd been able to hold her own in the fight for a bit and then, and then he takes her out. But, but she, she was like knocked down and beaten up by this guy and was in a vulnerable position when he, when he fired. And that's your problem. It is. Yeah. Okay. Even, does it, does it change anything for you to think like, having said that she's the one who, who planned this, who executed the, like the zombie attack, even though Negan helped trainer, uh, who sort of knew where to send people and what to do, like all of this amazing work she did before leading up to this moment. I mean... There's still a lot going on with, with Maggie, a lot of good, even though she had to be saved in this moment.
1: Uh, I mean, in some ways, yes, but it still doesn't change this situation. I hear you. Yeah. So it kind of, it maybe even proves my point that she's a capable leader and a a capable fighter who's able to, to take care of herself, uh, except in this situation when she needs to be saved.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I hear you. I, I just, I think they could have done it in a way where she didn't need to be saved. Probably again, just, just, uh, and that's the thing, like a few little tweaks to the scene, like the hot wiring thing, like how hard would it be to make the wires different colors? Would it really have been that much trouble to tweak this scene a little bit to make her way less damsel in distress, as you call it? Yeah. doesn't seem like uh, that big a deal, but they don't. No, but <sighs> I guess it wouldn't bother me in this
1: show in this moment if uh T V and movies didn't do this so often. Right. It uh you know if this was a one off, it would be fine. It would just be this is a situation that had to be resolved this way. That's fine. But since it's a goddamn trope that we see left, right, and center, yeah it, yeah. Uh, it just piles onto the annoyance factor.
0: No, I hear you. It's definitely a trope. Well, we go back up to Pope who's bleeding out on the roof. Leah puts her boot on his back and stabs him in the back of the neck again. So now he's dead. He's dead. For dead. sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah.
1: I like that. I like that that happened, uh, cause before just getting stabbed in the neck, uh, for, uh, a run of the mill henchman is a death sentence, but for, uh, you know, primary protagonists, uh it's a survivable injury. Right. So I'm glad that they uh, they finished him off in this way. Finished him off us, right and showed us that they finished him off.
0: Absolutely. Well, Daryl tries to get Leah to leave, kind of assuming that she's now on his side, but she looks at him, gets on her walkie, and she radios to her remaining Reapers that Pope is dead and Dixon killed him. She says he's with the enemy. And then the Reapers respond that they're on the way. So Leah is not, at least not 100% on Daryl's side here. She's kind of anti-Pope, but she's still pro-Reaper family, right? Yes. She's an opportunist.
1: She and we've seen that before. I think this fits right in with her character, uh-huh. like when uh, she was taking the opportunity to say, "Follow my lead to Daryl." Then they set the whole place on fire, and she was the damsel in distress that needed to be saved in that situation. That's true. But then once Daryl saved her and they were both out of the uh, out of danger, she sided with uh, uh, with the Reapers at that point. Yeah, Like she's absolutely taking whatever situation she's in and twisting it to her advantage.
0: What she saw in this situation was, I don't agree with you, I'm taking over. Yeah. Well, so it's kind of consistent with her character then maybe, right? Like she, she was in that fire and... The, the, what she did after when she went back to the Reapers was, uh, as you said to her advantage and this situation was the same thing, right? Like the, the head of the Reapers had been cut off and I think she sees an opportunity there.
1: Like, yeah. Like and this is saying. all Pope's all Pope's fault because if you, uh, you know, lead a group of people in the way Pope has, you're inviting this. You're, you're, you're kind of setting the stage for, uh, you know, all all of the council to stab you in the back, uh, just like Julius Caesar. Uh, Right. Everybody else, everybody stabbed him in the back because he just promoted this shit. You know, I'm (laughs) going to take over the consul and I'm not going to give it back when I'm supposed to, even though the war is over. Anyway, it gets a whole political thing from ancient Rome, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, Pope, uh, he built this structure and led in such a way that he invited somebody to, uh,
0: take him down. Are, are you sure there isn't a Monty Python comparison you can make here somewhere? I, I don't know. I don't have one, but it would be a no, great opportunity.
1: I could go Star Trek if that would help. Oh. <laughs> there's lots
0: of Star Trek examples of this. Not the Star uh, Trek the, episode, Jason. It's the Monty Python episode.
1: Okay. Uh, there's lots, you know, Klingon Empire is exactly like this. All right. Uh, but they do it on purpose, right? Because they're the Klingons, right? You know. So maybe Pope is a Klingon.
0: Maybe you know. I don't maybe. know. Well, Leah says to Daryl that Pope forgot that it's people that matter, and that these were her people. So even though he's dead, she still feels allegiance to them. Uh, Daryl you know, reminds her that he would do anything to protect her family. And so would she, all those kinds of things. So Daryl realizes that she's not going with him and that the Reapers are on their way. So he jumps over the roof and goes down the ladder just before the rest of the Reapers arrive. Leah orders them to co- go and close the gate and then they'll kill everything inside the walls is what she says. And we go to a commercial break. Yep. When we return, we're back at the Alexandria house. They are still trying to hold the doors closed, but they decide that it's not gonna work. So they all are gonna have to run upstairs and try to hold the zombies back on the main floor, kind of a higher ground advantage. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, most of them make it up. Judith starts helping Virgil, but then she goes back because she can't find Gracie. Uh, She goes looking for her and it turns out Gracie is stuck in the basement with a lot of water coming in the broken basement windows Gracie says that she was down there looking for something to use as a weapon just like uh, Judith and Michonne have so Judith comes down breaks a broom gives her a broom handle as her weapon and when they try to run back upstairs there are no now zombies in the house and they can't get to the stairs that are going up to the second floor So they run back into the basement, locking the door behind them. And now the two girls are stuck in a basement with zombies upstairs and water pouring in the windows, essentially flooding and filling up. They're in trouble. They are in some trouble. We- Bet you $10 $10 that they get themselves out of this situation. Oh, 10 bucks? Yeah, I'll take that bet. (laughs) You don't think they'll they'll need to be saved? I don't want to take that bet because I 100% agree with you. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. (laughs) They're getting out of this situation. Uh, We go back finally for the last scene of the episode. Maggie is in this courtyard fighting some walkers. Daryl and Negan are there too. The Reapers start to fall back and Negan can't believe that they're retreating. He's like, look at these suckers. They're retreating. This is great. But up on the roof, Leah has lit the Huacha, and it's aimed at the courtyard. So the very thing, Jason, that she didn't want Pope to do and sort of changed her mind in the moment about him, she's about to do. Except yes. that, except that she's, I guess, ordered her people to fall back as much as they can and therefore get out of the, the firing line, out of the blast range of this thing.
1: Yes. So when they fall back and Negan makes that comment, Maggie looks confused, right? She looks confused as to, oh, yeah, they are falling falling back. I wonder uh, why that is. That seems like a little strange. And she doesn't understand what's going on. And at this point, <laughs> you know, they can see the Huacha. Like, they know... Yep. That it's it's uh, that it exists. Whether Maggie knew it was there uh, before or not, she knows it's there now, and she'll see it in a second. I sure hope. But if she knew that that was there and that was their objective, she'd know immediately what the situation was. It's like okay, they're falling back, falling back. Therefore, they're trying to clear the area of potential collateral
0: damage. So, fucking run. So is this what you were saying earlier that like she seems to not realize what's going on? Therefore. There's some confusion about what Father Gabe was talking about. It is.
1: That's right. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's exactly correct. Because of her confusion in this situation, I don't think she knows that the Huacha is there. And also they mentioned that what's his eyebrows was the, uh, was a combat engineer and he built it. So Maggie didn't have this thing before the
0: Reapers took over. This was built by a Ooh. Reaper. That's a really good point that I didn't think of, that it couldn't have been there when they were living there because the Reapers built it. So yeah, I didn't we, think
1: of that till just now myself. <laughs> okay.
0: So <laughs> we have to go on the assumption that if that's what Father Gabe was looking for, they know about it through some other means, or they've learned about it through some other means since the Reapers took over. Which There's no way to do that. Which we certainly didn't see in the show. So we don't know how, I don't know how they would have done that. I didn't really pick up on Maggie being kind of confused in that situation. Uh, we did get a lot of shots of her face as we were cutting back and forth between the Huacha and her and stuff like that. So I didn't really pick up on that, but if you're right, then, then she doesn't know anything about this thing and she doesn't have any idea what's about to happen either. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Interesting. Very, very interesting. Well, what happens is it's now lit. It starts firing these dynamite arrows down at the courtyard and or straight at the camera, which is we're getting the courtyard view. Maggie and Negan, at least, are apparently right in this blast zone and the episode ends. So we don't see what happens. But I am way less convinced now that uh, this is all going perfectly to plan. (laughs) <laughs> for maggie and the gang yeah and this huacha
1: thing is uh these are these are rockets essentially so they're not missiles they're not guided in any way they're just fired and, and and you know spray and pray kind they're, of weapon
0: they're fireworks is what i what i can tell they're like fireworks yeah. that would normally shoot straight up and explode but they're they have a, it looks like a stick of dynamite attached to each one Yeah.
1: So I think that this is meant to be a short-range weapon that is meant to point towards the courtyard if the courtyard is overrun. Uh, And if that's the case... And that's just, that's an assumption on my side that's probably, that's fairly big, because you can aim it up and it would fire indirectly towards whatever. It's like a mortar fire, right? Like yeah, yeah. Relatively short range. And I'm sure that it don't have a lot of range on it, but it'd go over the wall. But I think it was positioned here to primarily protect the courtyard if it was overrun. And if that's the case, then why would Maggie's plan be to overrun the courtyard and get everybody in here? Knowing full well that full well that hawacha was there
0: well see i don't I don't think it's designed to to fire at the courtyard. I think like what you said, it's designed to fire just over the wall to like take out attackers, whether zombie or human, before they get inside, right? I know it's not super precise, but you're right. it's like a mortar. just sort of fire it out and then it hits and explodes, and there's enough of them um that that it would cause a pretty significant explosion i think its position to its purpose is to fire just over the walls but here they're using it to fire into the courtyard um so so over the walls you mean right where the mines were yeah you know right where the mines (laughs) were (laughs) or maybe maybe it's the other way i i don't know like over where there aren't any mines i'm not sure It is, it is difficult to figure this out. Like I sort of thought I had the whole plan straight in my mind, but there are now some questions. (laughs) So yeah, I
1: I think it boils down to, I don't think they knew the Huacho was there. Uh, I think that, uh, that father Gabe was making a dad joke saying it's still there as in the compound is still there. And the plan is to go in, get the sniper rifle and get the food and get the hell out of there.
0: Without being detected though somehow?
1: no they would i mean the I think that uh, uh I don't think that's the plan. I think now, maybe that was the original plan, but now that they have the zombies, uh they were planning on overrunning the place in order to cause confusion, yeah and mayhem, but uh I don't think undetected was the plan. I think it was just uh Maggie and Father Gabe, their goal was to get in the compound. Uh, through a side door in order to get the gate open so that the court can be overrun mm-hmm. and
0: to get the sniper rifle so that they would have overwatch, essentially. Right. I mean, clearly though, clearly the red truck was part of the plan. Uh, like when you think about it, Father Gabe, the things we saw him look at were the Huacha covered in a tarp, the red truck, and just some general looks at, around the people, right? And the Huacha turned out to be uh, instrumental into in what was going on. And so did the red truck. The sniper yeah. rifle, uh, we had no idea it was there. And I don't think and as I said, there's no way Father Gabe could have known from his vantage point that it was still there. Uh, I think that was just them hoping that it was still there. So I'll be honest. I think that and I don't think the show would just do a joke about yet yeah, still there. I, I just I just don't think they would do that. I think it. I truly believe that Father Gabe was sent to scout this out to see if there was still something on the roof covered in a green tarp. Now, we have kind of debunked that a little bit in that it doesn't make any sense that he would be doing that, but I believe that's what the show was trying to go for. And now that I think about it a little bit more, the red truck was included in that because the red truck was part of the plan. Maggie needed that truck to be there to steal and crash through the gate, right? Yeah. Some of this no longer holds up to scrutiny, and, you know, maybe we're scrutinizing a little hard, but hey, man, that's what we do around here. Um, But, you know, other than that, I'm pretty sure Father Gabe was looking for at least those two things. He confirmed they were there, and here we are. Yes. I, I think it might be just, once again, show kind of... Not really thinking it through all the way, which is a huge bummer. Because how would that watch have been there pre Reapers if they built it? <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> that it all it sort of all comes down to that. Uh, and if it was, or if it wasn't, how did our characters know that it was there? If they had set that up somehow, then we wouldn't have this problem. But I don't believe they did, unless I'm missing something.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't think that they knew that that thing was there. Uh, yeah. I think they knew the red truck was there because uh, Maggie needed that truck mm-hmm. uh, in order to break down the gate. Uh, and or if the truck still works, they could
0: use it to bring the food home, which probably is a good idea. Totally. And and Father Gabe saw the truck driving, so he could he could report back that, yes, it still works. They still have gas in the thing, right? Because that's key to the plan too, that they can actually drive the truck. Yeah. You know, so... Anyways, uh there you have it, mid-season finale. So kind of ends on a cliffhanger with the Huacha shooting right at our heroes in this uh in this courtyard. Uh we know that at least Maggie and Negan, I guess, are there. Um we don't know where he ditched um Elijah, right? Yep. <laughs> but he could be there as well. So I guess when episode nine premieres later this year, probably, or maybe in the new year, uh, Maggie and Negan at least are dead, right? Cause how do you survive? How do you survive a direct hit by a Huacha?
1: I don't know. I've never seen a Huacha before. So, uh, if it's just fireworks, it's just going to be a bunch of fireworks. And we've seen, uh, many YouTube videos of fireworks going awry. It may cause some burns. Oh yes. But it's survivable. Uh, but if there sticks of dynamite, again, it depends, uh, cause if this stuff was ready to go, okay. So I'm going to take a step back here a second. So there's two things that need to, uh, okay. I'm trying to understand the nature of this watch So are the, the things that were strapped to the front of the arrows that were in this thing, are they just propellant or are they explosives? So... Uh, is it just to make the thing fire so that it shoots arrows, and it's just a whole bunch of arrows that go flying, uh, or was there a propellant, firework, you know, propellant thing on the back driving the thing forward, and then when it hits, somehow it knows how to expl- know that it
0: should explode,
1: like you say, sticks of dynamite.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it, it's a firework, so it has whatever fireworks have as a propellant to shoot them straight up into the sky before they blow up. Okay, so how do they set the
1: range on when the uh, the firework part should explode? Like if, there, if this thing has a, you're able to angle it up and shoot it indirectly, it needs to have a set, it needs to have, you have to tell it somehow that it should not
0: explode its firework part until it gets to its destination. You can't. I mean, if it's a firework, I don't think you can do that. A firework is designed to, like it is designed specifically to shoot up And then explode into colorful balls at a, it must be a timing thing. Like I don't really know how fireworks work, but there's some sort of internal delay built in fuse that, that does that. So using them as a weapon like this, there's no way to control that. It's going to, the firework part's going to explode at whatever that delay is set to. The dynamite. So these arrows are
1: going to shoot since they're using it as a direct fire weapon and they're shooting it, they're aiming it right down into the courtyard. Uh, these things are going to fire, hit the ground, bounce all over the place, sit there for like five seconds and then explode. Correct. At least the fireworks part. Yeah. Yeah. But they also work as direct arrows, right? So if you get hit with the thing. Oh yeah. You're going to be, you're going to be a walking bomb at that point. I would
0: think so. Yeah. Or the zombies will be. Or the zombies for sure will be. That's right. The dynamite part to it though, I mean the dynamite needs a way to explode too. And I I just assume that when the firework part explodes, that's enough of a little bit of combustion that it's going to set the dynamite off. I I mean, I'm not a dynamite expert, but I feel like that's, in movie and TV land, I feel like that's good enough, you know?
1: Yeah, and uh, you just have to be careful, like Arst.
0: Yeah, don't handle it. Well, be careful, but he wasn't careful enough.
1: How did your girls... uh you've been watching lost with your with your daughters how did yeah, they yeah. react to arst
0: exploding um they uh that was a while they ago now they were a little bit surprised yeah uh i think they were a, a, in a way equally amused and also uh felt bad for him <laughs> yeah the, well i mean he was annoying right, right which they had to establish right. so that we wouldn't feel too bad right and they picked up on that they're like that guy is just annoying and and ridiculous so we don't like that guy and then he explodes and they're like oh we didn't want him to explode you know <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. anyways and then hurley says uh you got some arst on you yeah that's funny stuff <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyway quick
0: aside that's it that's it okay well um Anyways, uh, clearly I was joking when I said Negan and Maggie are going to, are, are dead because of this. They're going to find a way out of it somehow, but we aren't going to know what that is until, I don't know, whenever the show comes back and we don't have a date on that yet, I'm afraid. Is it this year or is it going to be
1: early next year or what are they doing?
0: Well, normally they would go on hiatus for, you know, until the new year, right? Oh, so we're
1: looking at February.
0: Yeah, probably because they want to get through Christmas and the holidays and, uh... I don't know, the Super Bowl is usually in January or early February, right? They want to get past that, and then they start up again then. So but
1: usually we start in mid-October.
0: We do. So we started a little bit earlier, right, in August. Uh, so th- maybe the break is going to be longer than usual. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But but also, don't forget, we've got fear and world beyond happening. World Beyond's already happening, and fear starts, like, you know, week or two maybe so i mean there's walking dead galore right now yeah. and if the means the main show is off for an extra month which i feel like might be the case because they're definitely not going to bring it back before the new year so, but if they're if they move it up into january maybe i i just don't know Don't well know. if i've
1: learned anything from uh, the sopranos and Mad Men, it'll be a year a, a year
0: in february which is when we'll come back well, holy shit, it better not be. That's too long. Um, we have two more blocks of eight episodes to do. So maybe they'll do the second block sort of with a normal turnaround and then wait longer on the third. But gosh, I hope not. I, uh, I'm okay with the hiatuses, Hiata, hiatus, I hiatus, hiatuses, but I just want them to be consistent. So I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, they'll, they'll tell us at some point and then we will know uh as a mid-season finale though um i kind of thought this episode was okay but i hate to say it this is one where we've talked about it and i think i like it less which is which sometimes happens but often you know i i like an episode more after we talk about it too but this is one of those ones where now i'm like oh maybe this wasn't as as fun as i thought
1: No, I think you're wrong. I think that uh, you don't think less about it. It was a pretty good episode, I think. I don't think less of it because of the confusion about whether or not Maggie knew about the Huacha. I mean, that whole discussion, uh, if she knew, she didn't know, whatever. It doesn't change the episode per
0: se. It just changes uh, our perception of what what their objectives were. (laughs) Maybe I think less of myself then because I thought I had it kind of all figured out, but now I realize I don't.
1: And there, that's where you're correct and right to think less of yourself. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, that's fine. I I think the episode was a solid episode. I didn't find too many uh, uh, nitpicks. Uh, You know, and night fell at the appropriate time. Uh, You know, I noticed that while uh, re-watching or re- uh, as I went through the episode that uh, when night fell at Alexandria, night fell at Meridian. So that was all fine. Uh, The weather. The weather is a little bit off, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, if they're a couple of days walk, you know, maybe the weather's going to hit them right when the Huacha starts exploding. It's like, oh my God, now there's a storm.
0: Well, everything will be on fire, but the the storm will hit and it'll put the fire out, unlike it did with the, the windmill.
1: Yeah. So maybe a combination of uh, lightning and I don't know if there was lightning and thunder. Uh, I don't think so. So that's why I was thinking it was a hurricane. Uh, but uh, maybe Father Gabe is so good with that sniper rifle that he will shoot the arrows out of the air so that they don't
0: hit Maggie and Negan. Wow, that would be quite something. Quite something. All right, were you annoyed by the fact that it was a cliffhanger? No, I expected that. Well, yeah, but we've been annoyed by cliffhangers before, although there's one in particular that was was awful, and that really upset us. But, like, minor cliffhanger like this isn't too bad. I agree.
1: No, a cliffhanger of what's going to happen, oh my God, is different than uh, doing the thing and then not telling us who
0: was murdered. Right. And right. That,
1: that's, I think that's the cliffhanger you're referring to at the moment. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. It's, it's not even really a cliffhanger. It's like leaving off the end of the story, which is different yeah. than a cliffhanger. Yeah, I get it.
1: No, this is the way cliffhangers are supposed to be, right? Okay. It's like you fire the shot, but you don't know what the, uh, the ramifications of that shot are. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've seen that in Star Trek. I talked about that Star Trek season that, uh, that had that uh, lacutus Borg thing, you don't know what I'm talking about. no, nope. but uh, there was a cliffhanger between seasons there. It you know, Riker said fire for their super big weapon against the Borg. Oh, yeah, and then we cut the black, right? We didn't had to wait to find out what happened once uh, once the enterprise actually fired their big super
0: weapon right. And now that you mentioned that, I remember you talking about that in the past,
1: and that's the right way to do a cliffhanger, okay. So this is the right way to do a cliffhanger. And as soon as I saw that that thing was going to start firing and I I, I figured we were at the end of the episode, I knew full well that we wouldn't get the results of that firing uh, in this
0: episode. Sure. Yeah. No, it it I should have seen it coming for sure. Totally should have seen it coming. All right. Well, that is it. That is our mid-season finale of The Walking Dead season 11, episode number eight. We're going to have to tune in sometime in the new year to find out what happens next. Before we wrap things up tonight, Jason, of course, it is now time to thank some people for becoming patrons. And of course, reveal the lucky winner of our season eight prize to be sent out. So let's do that right now. Uh, our new patrons this week are Nikki C leaf or Leaf J And Laura M. So thank you to the three of you for becoming patrons. We very, very much appreciate it. Uh, I also want to mention that I haven't heard back from last week's winner, which was Randall L. I emailed Randall, but uh, have not received a response yet. So Randall, if you're listening, please check your your email, maybe your junk folder. Hopefully it didn't get in there, but you never know. Uh, I do need your response and address to send out the prize from last week. So uh, Randall L., Check your email, please. (laughs) Uh, All right. This week's prize, Jason, it is, consists of two things. It consists of two things. The first thing is one of the original, the OG Talking Dead podcast t-shirts. Nice. So the hard to come by shirts that say the Talking Dead on the front. I don't have very many of them left, but one is going out this week, I hope. Also included is a set of Walking Dead greeting cards. So you will receive these, you know, ahead of the holidays. And if you want, you can use them to wish your friends and family happy holidays or whatever this holiday season. So happy uh, apocalypse. Happy apocalypse. Why not? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to do these here so they could get to someone before the holiday season kicks in, give someone lots of time. So that is the prize, an original Walking Dead podcast t-shirt and the set of Walking Dead greeting cards. Super. So it is everybody's favorite time of the show now, Jason, where you reach into some sort of vessel and pull out this week's winner.
1: Yeah, this one, I, I, I wanted to keep it simple. So what I did was I took all the, uh, the, uh, the patrons and I wrote their names on little slips of paper. And then, uh, luckily since it's Thanksgiving, I saved the, uh, the turkey carcass uh-huh. after it was completely carved. And instead of getting rid of that, I'm just going to use that as the container. So I have down here tucked under my arm is a, uh, cooked carved up turkey carcass that is full of slips of paper. Amazing. So I'm going to, uh, reach in and I'm going to pull out a slip of paper. All right. That's pretty gross. I'm going to wipe some of this grease off. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, some stuffing. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, taste stuffing. that. Yeah, a little taste secret that. stuffing. <laughs> all
1: right. So if I can read this correctly, so uh, yeah, it's pretty greasy. But uh, here, let me put the carcass down here. Just damn it. Okay. So uh, the winner this uh, this week is a uh, scene or sign M. Okay.
0: Sign. Sign. S i n e. S i n e. That's. Yeah. I'm not sure. Sheena. Maybe. Sheena. <laughs> Sheena. Sign. I'm... Scene.
1: Sorry. We uh, are really butchering your name. I apologize.
0: Uh, hopefully, you can figure out who you are. But I will be sending an email out. But congratulations for being our episode number eight winner. Uh, M. M was the last initial. Did you say that? It is M, yes. Okay, so that might help someone identify themselves. Uh, I will be in touch either way, so keep an eye on your email and I'll hopefully uh, hear back from you. Mm -hmm. But congrats to everybody who so far has won a prize in our season eight prize extravaganza. That's number eight for eight episodes. And I do like to remind everyone that I pull the winners from all or the winners are pulled from all of the active patrons uh, at the time. So you can join and become a patron at any time to be included in a future draw. We've got sixteen more. We're through eight. We've got sixteen more. Uh, but of course, we'll be taking a little break now until The Walking Dead comes back on TV. You can join at uh, patreoncom slash dead. Head over there to become a patron and support the show, of course, and be included in these draws. Thank you so much to everyone that does. Uh, And, you know, if you want to, you can also contribute via PayPal at talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal, uh, which The Odd Person still does. Thank you to you guys as well.
1: Not that they're odd. Like, they're not odd people, like The Odd Person. You
0: know, odd people do that. No, no, of course. I wouldn't want to call anyone odd or unusual anyway, right? They're they're just people that are willing to help, and and we very, very much appreciate it.
1: Yeah, and remember, you're unique, just like everybody else. (laughs) That's right.
0: All right, that's going to wrap things up for tonight. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, which I highly recommend you do, because we will will be having a feedback show coming up later this week on Thursday night, and we would love to get some of your feedback. So visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com and click on Send Voicemail at the top, which will record a message or allow you to record a message on your computer or phone, probably, and then it'll be sent right to me. Uh, or just send email comments directly to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. That is the email address. You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead. All right, Jason, that's going to wrap us up for this evening. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about what's coming up on the podcast on the Thursday Night Feedback Show, because there is still, even though The Walking Dead is on hiatus now for a little while, there is still... Uh, Plenty of stuff for us to cover. You can probably guess what that will be, but I'll talk about that in a few days. So look forward, uh, look for that and we look forward to doing it. So until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye.